Good afternoon, everybody. This is Andrea, and I'd like to welcome you to our October webinar and podcast episode. Uh, a quick thank you to our webinar partner, QuickFee. I'll provide a bit more information at the end of this session on a special offer we have from QuickFee. Uh, and a reminder on asking questions today. If you're joining us live and have the you do have the opportunity to ask a question anytime, just use the Q&A function on your Zoom control panel, and that will be answered at the end of the session. If you're viewing the recording or listening to the podcast later and would like to ask a question, feel free to contact us directly at smithink.com. Now I'm going to hand over to Mark Holton, Smithink Director, who will be presenting the Keys to Quality Client Service. Over to you, Mark. Well, thanks, Andrew, and uh, welcome everyone to our webinar for this month. I'm sitting here in Terrigal, having been here, I reckon, for the best part of the last couple of years in my favourite golf shirt. So uh, I'm very casual. I hope you understand that I don't want to wear a suit. Okay, and we're going to look at something a little bit different this month, and that is the keys to quality client slash customer service. Let's start off with what is customer service? And Wikipedia defines it, and forget about the definition, I'm not big on that anyway, but it's providing quality service before, during and after a purchase. And it does vary from by product, service, industry, and individual customer requirements and expectations. The one thing I learned very early in my career was you can't provide stuff the same way to every customer because you're not respecting the individual differences in them. Uh, it also applies very much to learning styles and learning strategies and learning deliveries when it comes to working with people. Let me ask you a question. And I know we can't do much on a webinar, but if we're face-to-face, -face, or maybe just think about this, you know, can you think of an example of exceptional customer service that you experienced, either professionally or personally, and exactly what made it special? And I could probably share one with you. I have a favourite restaurant that I always go to up on the Gold Coast. It's at Broadbeach. Its name is Valentino's. Number one, great food. Number two, exceptional service. Number three, not the most competitively priced place in that area, but then again, does cost really matter when it comes to quality? And at the end of it, they always come and say hello, talk to you and offer you a complimentary port. And I love that place and I've told so many people about it. Maybe it shows it's pretty easy to impress me. Just give me a glass of port at the end of the meal and you've got me forever. But I've also seen some horrible examples of customer service in my time and some brilliant ones. And I'm sure you have as well. I've also seen some brilliant customer service examples from accounting firms. And I'll talk a little, bit late, a little bit later about what they actually are. But I want to share a couple with you, a couple of good companies and what they do. You know, when Adobe had an outage due to an issue with Amazon Web Services, they posted a tweet about it before they started getting calls. So they acted quickly. They acted before the issue become a big deal. The tweet contained a video of a puppy stampede as a distraction and lighten the mood. While there were some complaints asking about when the program would be up and running, many replies focused on the puppies. <laughs> I thought, geez, if life was, life was always that easy. So what's the takeaway here? Be on the front foot, be proactive. If there's a problem with a client, with a customer, make them aware of it and actively start to look at solutions and outcomes. I, I get frustrated with people coming to me with problems and no solutions. I think we've got to get on the front foot with good client service. And I love this one, the Ritz-Carlton. They allow employees up to 2,000 to fix any guest problem, no questions asked. 
One example was told by a customer, John DeJulius, who left his charger behind at the Ritz-Carlton in Saratosa, Florida. He received the next day air package with his charger, a personal note and a spare charger in it. You know, and the takeaway I got from this one was a customer's error can be a great opportunity to interact and use it as a chance to go above and beyond and delight them with your proactivity, thoughtfulness and concern. In my time in the accounting industry, I hear over and over again that the customer doesn't give us what we need to get the job done. So we've got to open a job, we've got to stop a job, we've got to follow them up, often by email. They're quite tardy in responding to us. So we move on with another job. And you and I know all that does is increase whip and has too many open jobs sitting there. I have a firm just recently showed me a little document they use at the end of a job where they walk the client through exactly what they got from them, what they didn't get, educates them about exactly what they need next year and made it quite clear, quite courteously, that if they don't get this stuff up front, they can't start the job. They've made a decision not to start. They've made a decision to use a client error, which is not providing all the information that's required to get the job going up and finished as an opportunity to engage, educate and interact. I think that's a really good learning point. So what challenges do accounting firms face when delivering quality customer service? Well, for many firms, the way you find out whether you are or not delivering service is you survey the clients, you ask strategic questions, you get responses, you look at the feedback. I had a firm recently say to me, well, the clients keep coming back every year, so we must be doing something right. Well, I hope we are. But it's the fact that they're coming back every year, the only measure that we have, that our quality of client service is up where it should be. I think it does require a little bit more, a little bit more strategy around this piece and a little bit more communication. So what I wanna to do today with you guys is look at a different approach, a slightly different approach, okay? And where it comes back to quite simply is this book. It's a book called In Search of Excellence. It's from the best run companies in America and it was put out by Tom Peters and Robert Waterman. I got introduced to this book in my first year at university when we did a unit called management and we focused on looking at great companies, looking at exceptionally run companies and what were the single things they did that made them special. And I remember the lecturer ran a video and it looked at companies like Walmart, it looked at companies like GMH, and it looked at companies like Disney. And it started to look at why they succeed, how they do business, and how they manage their clients, their customers on an ongoing basis. And it had such a profound effect that one, I never forgot it. Two, I tried to implement it in my firm over the years. And three, I'm talking to you today about the whole concept of excellence when it comes to client service. So around three years ago, I was very fortunate to attend the Disney Institute Leadership Excellence course in Anaheim in California. The course was a one-day event held at a Disney hotel and included a field visit to the back of the park to meet experienced managers, witness offstage area of the operation. The one thing in that video that I saw almost 40 years ago was the concept of onstage and offstage and what that meant to every business and what it meant to Disney. Uh, let me tell you, the course was brilliant. Of all the courses I've done in my career, this was the best I've ever done. And it stands out for that very reason that I got so much out of it and could apply so much to my accounting firm when I returned.
everything was managed meticulously by Disney cast members. And by the way, they don't call them employees, they're cast members from materials catering to guest speakers. I actually sat there as an accountant wondering what the profit was with 250 delegates all paying 1500 US to be there. And then I looked at the cost model run of the Disney Resort, run by Disney staff, catered by Disney people. The cost model had to be very, very competitive. The profit model had to be exceptional. And they do these courses pretty well every week. The Disney Institute is not the Disney University where they train their staff. Disney Institute is their facility that trains non-Disney employees, but trains them on the Disney model of business. I sat there with many, many people from different countries, predominantly Americans, but from different fields, accountants, lawyers, uh, people in small business, caterers, et cetera, et cetera. And all of them had something to say. I thought it was fascinating. So I went back the following year and I went back and did the other two days of their three-day training. I went on recruitment, selection and training. And the final one, which was the best one, on their approach to customer service excellence. And here's a few of the facts that I learned from that. There are 33,000 cast members in Anaheim. They hire one in 40 applicants for all jobs and only have a 16% staff turnover. So large numbers applying, low staff turnover. They spend around 8,700 to onboard a new employee, irrespective of who the employee is. The average cast member gets asked 50 to 60 times a day, where's the bathroom? And they're trained to know. They can't have a young child come up and say, where's the bathroom? And you're a street sweeper and you say, I don't know, kid, I'm a street sweeper. So they're trained to know. They say, if you hate the It's a Small World song, then don't work for us because it will drive you nuts. They don't terminate employees. They ask them to find happiness elsewhere. I love that one. The cast members leave work 20 minutes early to check out and get the bus back to their cars. So no one parks on the site. They park close to the site, transported by buses to the site and enter the park in discrete areas that none of the public see. Because when they're entering the park, they are off stage. When they come into the park, they are on stage. And lastly, they receive heavily discounted meals. The guy running the course said, he gets all his dry cleaning done for him, his wife and children for a dollar a garment. And he comes to work and he gets looked after with food. So they make it very attractive in the remuneration and benefits to do so, but they train, train, train. Orientation is critical to the delivery of their customer service model. So why Disney? I think they've got a lot to teach us about making customers feel special. So in this webinar, we're gonna cover just a few of the strategies I learned. As an accountant of 40 years, as someone that consults now to accounting firms and uses this particular model to challenge firms about their quality and their feedback when it comes to managing clients. So how do we deliver outstanding customer service? The employees at Disney, irrespective of who they are, from CEO to street sweepers to ticket collectors to cleaners, must do an original course called Traditions 101 which educates the cast about the company's history, its legacy of superlative guest service, and they cover items like who are the characters, where are the lands, rides, amenities located, the corporate policies and strategies for success, 
They said they can't afford for a child to come up with someone and say, who's that? And it might be one of the seven dwarfs and the cast member can't say, well, that is this one. Because they're taught, they're learned, they're trained. And it's a continual process of improvement that they apply. According to their training manual, and we went through this, we were put through as participants in that third day. There are four keys to interacting with guests. Safety, courtesy, show, which is what we do, and efficiency. They asked all 250 in the audience, in fact, that day was probably more, it was closer to 500 the third day, to put them in order on what they think is the most important. Most people put efficiency, okay? Many put the show. The Disney model is safety as number one. If they don't maintain safety for their clients, for their guests, in what they do for their staff, then courtesy, whilst important, is not a big deal. The show, what we do, is dramatically affected and the efficiency of how we do it doesn't make much difference if the cast and the guests aren't safe. So safety becomes the number one priority to running a good-based business. So to better understand what they do, they have a little acronym there called SERVICE, which S stands for SMILE. I stands for eye contact, body language. R is respect and welcome. For anyone that's been there, have you ever been there and someone didn't say hello? How are you? Hope you had a great day. Cost nothing to be happy. Cost nothing to greet people in that manner. Value the service. Initiate guest contact. I found that fascinating. They're trained not to stand back and watch a guest who looks confused. They're trained to go up and say, can I help you? They're trained to say, who are you here to see? What do you like to see? Can I recommend something to you? I went into an accounting firm the other day. I stood at the front counter. The receptionist said, uh, who am I there to see? I told her, she said, I'll go and get them, left me standing there. And whilst I was standing there, three people walked past and just looked at me. Not one person said, uh, are you okay? Are you being looked after? Not one. So I'm standing there as a potential high-end client and the quality of customer service, frankly, was pretty ordinary. Always create service solutions, so be solution focused, and end with a thank you. What does it cost? So they understand service that way. They understand what they do, how they do it. They understand that they are entrusted by the business to initiate guest contact and look for solutions. I mean, that's not a theme park, that's just a good business. That's all your clients, let alone your firm. So they're trained to be assertively friendly. They're encouraged to act actively seek contact. And I saw this in action when I was in the park. Because when we did the um, customer service third day, we we're actually given an iPad, sent into the park for two hours and asked to take photos of good and bad service examples. They make it clear that they don't get everything right, but they try to. I saw a young family who were positioning their probably two or three-year-old in front of the Walt Disney statue with Mickey Mouse in Main Street. They were trying to position the child on a thin beam so they could stand back and take a photo. Like a flash, the guy who was doing the street sweeping close by dropped it, come up to them and said, how about you two guys get in there and hold your son and I'll take the video for you. It was quick, it was positive, and look what would happen if the child fell backwards. Then all of a sudden, safety is the major concern. 
but they were trained to interact. We've got to start to train our staff more to interact, how to ask the right questions of clients, how to engage them, how to take them on a journey. The one thing that I really witnessed and loved, because it related back to that book I read in Search of Excellence, was on stage, off stage. When we were on stage, which is in the park, with all the guests and all the, all the cast members, all we saw were perfectly manicured lawns and trees, impeccably clean street shops and restaurants. The famous Disney characters in perfect form, lighting, music, sound and smell were spot on and the impeccably trained staff doing their job. Clean, well-organised environment. And that's exactly what they want you to see here and experience. And they orchestrate everything, train everything, deliver everything and go to great lengths to ensure you never experience offstage. Because offstage is totally different. Walking the tunnels below Main Street, we encountered many employees dressed in the lower half of their costume that they would play when they are on stage. Our group saw Alice from Alice in Wonderland in the break room chatting with a man in a headless Pluto. Let me tell you, that gave me nightmares that night. You never see that on stage. The scenery is very plain, no frills, very industrial and efficient because the client doesn't see it. In fact, the greatest experience we had, to be honest with you, was they got us to stand at the top of Main Street, take one step to the left, and we were on stage. And all we saw was Main Street. You know, the impressive structure, the smell, the environment, the customer service. Took another step to the uh, other direction and we're in offstage. And what we saw were floats, very plain environment. Okay? But on stage, everything was was perfectly manicured. In fact, they told us that they have 15,000 custodial staff that come in at 10 p.m. every night until 8 a.m. the next morning, and they repaint the place every two weeks. They make sure everything is spot on. The model for success is unchallengeable, which is why they employ more people than any other employer in the States. They generate more revenue. And even coming out of COVID, if you look at their numbers, geez, they had a lot of trouble with things. But their model sustained itself. They have a very strong diversified model of, of services they offer. Whilst theme parks were and still is their major go-to-market strategy, it occupies now a lesser percentage of their total turnover, which is around 77 billion. So they've diversified into entertainment. They're diversified into product. They're diversified into merchandise and television and everything else. But whilst the theme parks represent a lower percentage of total revenue, they're still immensely profitable. So how does this apply to an accounting firm? Well, I think it's pretty simple. The backbone of good customer service in an accounting firm is the clients arrive in a professional reception area, they meet a reception team, they get offered tea or coffee and their favourite biscuit, and they move into a boardroom. From there, it's the presentation of financial statements and advice after sales activities like prompt return of emails and calls. This is on stage. The off stage is the work area where the team prepare the information, eat, interact, etc., out of client view. Okay. I was told recently some firms are looking to incorporate the work area and the reception area and the meeting area into one, much like the old walk into a restaurant and watch the cooks prepare. Uh, maybe that's the new way of business. Maybe an old dinosaur like me can't get their head around that one. 
but I think the reception area needs to be clean, needs to be comforting. The person behind the counter, your director of first impressions, needs to interact, needs to make the client feel welcome. I remember walking into an accounting firm in regional New South Wales. I asked the receptionist, could I speak to the partners who I was there to meet? And she said, take a seat, which I did. Uh, I was sitting there and she asked me who I was, where I come from. It was very pleasant, made me remember it. And then a, a guy walked in, he was a country guy, a bit of a larrikin. And he said, I'm here to see so-and-so. She said, thanks, Stan, grab a seat. And Stan, would you like your, would you like your usual? And she came back a moment ago with a coffee with two sugars and a frozen Tim Tam. And he grabbed it, said, thanks very much, looked at me and said, how good is this? You don't even have to ask and they give you what you need. And I thought, how simple is that? Spoke to the partners about it later. They said, yeah, we use that. We tracked our, what our clients like to drink, what they like to eat. Uh, we understand when they're coming in. So we make sure we're prepared for it. And we store it all in our CRM, our customer relationship management software system. And it makes me wonder how many firms out there do have a CRM where they not only store that, but store every interaction with clients, everything you need to do. As most people would know, I do a lot of work with accounting firms around business advisory. Business advisory to me is a diversification opportunity for your firm. <clears throat> it's allowing you to move into different related fields that relate very closely to your core business model. Think of Disney. Their core business model is theme parks. From the theme parks have evolved into movies. In the theme parks is merchandise. So they have a very strong diversified model where their core business is now less as a percentage of total revenue, but still immensely, immensely profitable. And that's how I see accounting firms, guys, that we need to look for opportunities to diversify our income streams whilst maintaining the profitability of our core business. Compliance is core business. <clears throat> you will not hear me agree to the fact that compliance is being eroded, removed or anything else. I don't think that will ever happen, at least not in my lifetime. But I do believe diversification and looking for other opportunities is the way we've got to start to strategically plan for the future. How else does this apply? Well, the look of your team and its corporate attire. Okay, you walk into a bank, everyone's got corporate attire. Um, I walk into a lot of firms these days and on Friday, it's a sort of a more casual day, but they're wearing nice shirts, embroidered shirts, makes them looks and feel like the business. The appearance and functionality of your website and marketing collateral, that's on stage. It's going to client moving activity. The way we speak about the firm, I've, I've listened to people say, oh, this firm's not real good, this partner's not real good. And I'm sitting there thinking, why are you telling me? Uh, who else are you out there telling? Are you on stage or off stage here? Okay, I mean, we've got to speak positively about the firm. That's the person, the organisation that we work for and pays our bills. I won't entertain that, you know, bad-mouthing what's happening with your employer. How do we address the age-old question of who do you work for and what do they do? I say to a lot of accounting firms I consult to, uh, who do you work for? And they say ABC Partners. I said, oh, fantastic. What do they do? And I get a convoluted multiple sentence definition of what they do. Oh, we're an accountant, we do tax work, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what is the vision of your firm and does your staff, when they meet a customer, a client, portray that vision, live that vision, work with it, run with it, okay? The vision of Disney, quite simply, is to make people happy. 
It's been the same since Walt Disney created it in the 50s. Make people happy. Who do you work for? Walt Disney. What do they do? We make people happy. Who do you work for? Ronald McDonald House. What do they do? We're, we're home away from home for families of sick children. You know what I mean? Just what's their go-to-market strategy? How do they talk about their business to their friends, their family, their associates? The way we interact with clients is on stage and our response time to emails and telephone calls. A number of times I've heard, in my experience, oh, the single biggest frustration clients tell us is we're too slow to return an email and too slow to return a telephone call. That's their measurement of us. So what systems, processes, resources, people do you have to try to improve that response time? Trace and track it. Have a look at the IT industry. My IT supplier, I tell you now, always, as soon as I drop something up, give them a call, send me a, a log, a card, saying that we've got it, this is the problem, it's being referred to this person, and I get regular communication by text or email at my choice, and when it's all done, all measured, I then get a sign-off. Very structured, very organised, very um, technology-related, and obviously it improves that key area. So if I said to you at the end of our session, guys, because half an hour is nowhere near enough to talk to you about this, I'll do another webinar down the track about what we also learned in the leadership and the recruitment areas of this training. So I think that applies to accounting firms as well. What are the three ways you'd improve customer service in your firm? Uh, would you go back and have a close, somewhat critical look at your reception area, your website, your marketing collateral? Would you have a close look at your staff? how they dress, how they work with clients, how they interact, how they communicate. Um, what would you do to try to improve that customer service? Would you, do a custom, would you do a client customer survey? Would you do it digitally? Would you ask just 10 questions? Uh, would those 10 questions involve the customer doing more than just ticking boxes or having to write stuff? I'm a big believer they'll tick it, they won't write it. And what do we do with that feedback when it comes back? How regularly do you do this sort of stuff? Every hotel I check into, at the end of it, I get a little survey. It's short, it's sharp, it's digital. It's asking me a few questions. Whether I fill it out or not, they're at least trying to engage me, trying to make things better. So with that in mind, I want to leave you with another recommended read, and it's called The Right of a Lifetime. It's the lessons, the leadership, the understanding of CEO of Walt Disney Company, Bob Iger, uh, Iger is the CEO that was called the acquisition CEO. He's the guy that orchestrated the purchase for Disney of Star Tours from Lucas, uh, Pixar. Uh, he was working closely with Steve Jobs for many, many years and the boards of what happened with Disney. He was also instrumental in bringing Fox Entertainment into the Disney fold, as well as many others. He was the ex-CEO of ESPN. He talks about his leadership lessons. He talks about managing critical things at critical times. He talks about what he learned, what he did well, what he did not do well. I'm a big lover of audible guys. I love listening, not necessarily reading, uh, as distinct from my wife and family who love reading paper books. But this is one I'd recommend to you. When you listen to it, when you read it, you'll pick up a couple of key things that will help you in your firm. That's just a recommendation for me. So finally, let's take the challenge. Let's improve customer service in our firms and let's have a lot more fun doing it. And I would challenge you guys, absolutely challenge you, okay, 
if you do get the chance, invest in doing the Disney training. They are now doing it virtually. They're still struggling with doing it outside the US, as I understand, but they've now got a stack of virtual models at very, very competitive pricing that take those three days and chunk them down into smaller components. But if you do get the chance to get over there and do one face-to-face, -face, believe me, you'll, you'll walk away and say, like I did, that's the best investment I ever made in training. And Andrea, it is now half past. I am finished. Let me pass back to you and I'd be happy to take any questions or anything that's come up. Great, thanks, Mark. Um, just a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, um, just type that into your Q&A function on the control panel there and I'll read that out. Um, in the meantime, I'm just gonna let you know a little bit more about our offer from QuickFee. QuickFee Instalments is the first ever non-recourse advice now pay later solution for professional accounting firms. QuickFee Instalments use a sophisticated technology to let your clients pay their invoices within four interest-free monthly instalments while you get paid in full upfront uses your client's existing credit and doesn't affect your client's credit file, making it the most responsible buy now, pay later payment solution for your clients. There's no credit risk to you, no monthly fees and no long-term contracts. Uh, and Smithink has negotiated an exclusive 30-day free trial for you. Go to the website quickfee.com.au forward slash Smithink um, and sign up using Smithink as the promo code to get the 30-day free offer. The website's also shown on the screen there and um, I can send that out when I send the recording today. I'm just going to see if there's any questions. Nothing's come through at the moment, Mark. Um, anybody feel like sharing? If anybody wants yep. to chat about uh, what we've presented, guys, or my experience being over there, meeting people. The one thing I didn't say is that I met a whole host of people that I'm still in contact with that are running businesses and many accountants. I was on the table actually of 10 with four accountants. And that was quite accidental because you sort of picked up a... Uh, uh, a place to sit wherever you want to sit. We had four accountants from different countries. So I'm still in contact. Oh, that's great. Very good. Still no questions. Um, do you want to flick through to the next slide, Mark, and we can let people know what's happening with the young guns. Um, see if anybody would like to make any questions in that time. Guys, unfortunately, as you're probably aware, we, uh, we had to postpone young guns this year due to the COVID restrictions. Very difficult to get into Queensland at the moment from other states. Uh, we are hoping that the 17th of December becomes the uh, Freedom Day in that respect. And we have moved it forward to um, February. It's February next year, isn't it, Andrea? Yes, uh, that's a date that I have not put on there. Sorry, everybody. 11th, no, the 20th, 20th and 21st of February. Yeah, guys, so we've also decided to extend our super early bird pricing that we put there. We already have uh, a large number of people that are booked into it, which is wonderful. So the event will go ahead. And uh, the majority, if not exceptional majority of those have decided to hang in there with us and wait until the early new year to do this again. Uh, also APS is sponsoring the Young Innovator Advisor and Influence of the Year. So they'll be providing a prize for those people that wish to apply, put a submission in. Love to see you there. Thanks, Mark. It looks like we don't have any questions today, which is great. If you do have any, um, anybody just email them through, contact us. There's Mark's contact details directly there. Um, thanks, everybody, for attending today. And thank you, Mark, for presenting. My pleasure. All the best, guys. Talk to you soon.